go with the pirates because, of course, they have cannons and everything. It's a pirate's life for me. Be proud of who you are and what you are. You're a pirate. It is a first down. Pirate. Because when you're in East Carolina, you go for it every time. Or you don't coach in East Carolina, you don't come to East Carolina, you don't play in East Carolina with a weak heart. Write it. I think I've ever been in a building as loud as that was. It was deafening in there. You will get them on. I can promise you that. Hand it purple all night long in Eastern North Carolina. You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. I've coached a long time in a lot of great places, and I don't think I've ever been in a building as loud as that was. It, uh, it <laughs> there were some times where it was it was deafening in there. This is East Carolina Hall of Famer and Utah Jazz first round draft pick Blue Edwards. You're listening to Pirate Basketball Overtime on the Sports Objective, your home for the best East Carolina hoops coverage. Welcome into Pirate Basketball Overtime here on the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates, and your home for the best ECU hoops coverage. East Carolina falls to the Charlotte 49ers 67 to 52 on Saturday afternoon at Halton Arena. The Pirates trailed just 26 to 24 at halftime, but in the second half and really throughout the game, it was an all too familiar story. The Pirates simply cannot shoot the basketball. Um, RJ Felton led ECU with 20 points. But no other pirate had more than two field goals in the game. ECU just six field goals in the second half as 14 of the Pirates' 28 points after the break came from the charity stripe. But, uh, you know, we'll dive into some more mind-boggling and alarming numbers throughout the show. But uh, right now, I'd like to welcome in from the state of Connecticut, my co-host, Matt Semenza. Matt, how are you? Bubba, how's it going, my friend? Um you know, obviously another frustrating performance yesterday. And, you know, coming into this week, you and I spoke uh, last Sunday and we both felt like, hey, this is a huge week for ECU basketball. You had three games, uh, two of which were at home, another in the state of North Carolina. Um, and you really felt like it was a chance to to seize some momentum uh, and to really show what kind of team you have. And you know, unfortunately, you know, I, I think we're now at the point there's enough of a body of work where we do know exactly where we are as a basketball team. And 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 that is, you know, we're clearly not a team that can win in the top third of this conference, maybe even the top half of this conference. Um, and, and right now we're kind of working our way back towards the bottom, you know, sort of a bottom feeder in the American Athletic Conference. And that's very frustrating to see. And um, like you said, it, it, basketball is a make or miss game. And right now we simply cannot shoot the basketball. And 
it's not going to get any better until we start to uh, shoot it at a much more efficient field goal percentage. And, and uh, so, so, you know, that's just a very frustrating, uh, you know, week for me to watch this team. Yeah, we had some momentum coming off a win, a win at Wichita State and then an overtime game. You found a way at home against Temple. But uh, after those, I guess it was the overtime that we did after the Temple game, when we said that, yes, we're excited about those two victories, but in order to beat South Florida and then Charlotte, who were two of the you know, top three or four teams at this point in the league, uh, and now, I guess, tied for first at eight and one are those clubs. Uh, you know, we were going to have to shoot the basketball better, and that simply did not happen. Um, East Carolina, I think in the last three games, no more than five makes from beyond the arc. Four for 28, five for 22, four for 21, a total of 11 out of 73 comes out to 18%. Yeah, that is simply just a terrible number. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Um, you're not going to beat anybody shooting the basketball, you know, shooting that percentage from three. You know, it's such a perimeter game now in college basketball. If you can't, if you can't shoot from behind the arc, you're going to struggle. And um, it, for me, Bubba, like this week really made me think bigger picture for pirate basketball as opposed to just looking at it one game at a time it's really highlighted to me sort of the mismanagement of this roster. And, you know, it, it made me really evaluate recruiting, um, the type of player we're recruiting. It made me evaluate, are we recruiting enough for the portal ver from the portal versus high school? Um, there are lots of teams in the country that are doing more with less, with less resources. And when I say resources, I mean financially and otherwise. Um, so to be here in a situation where, where you just don't have any shooters on the floor, um, that is not, that's not acceptable. So I, I feel like we're kind of morphing back into like what we saw this fall with pirate football, um, the state of our programs and, 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 and just, I think Mike Schwartz is learning some of the same lessons Mike Houston learned where the portal is your friend, you know, it's not your enemy. So we need to use it. Yeah, obviously, um, when you look at East Carolina's three-point shooting, 362 Division I teams, ECU, after Saturday's loss against the Charlotte 49ers, um, the Pirates ranked 339th, 29.2% uh, from three. And um, in, in AAC play, even worse, 27.5%, which is dead last, 14 of 14. Yeah, and you know, you you'd like to think that when you get you know at least halfway into conference play, you're you're going to start to peak and play your best your best basketball. But what you're starting to see, I feel like, is this team almost go backwards. And and that type of shooting, you know, like I said, you're just not going to beat anybody like that. I mean, maybe you squeak out a win. I mean, who who, who do we beat? We beat Temple this week. Okay, Temple is now one in eight. Excuse me, one in seven in the conference. Uh, we beat Wichita. They're one and eight in the conference. Um, so that's who you're going to beat with that type of offense. And, you know, but, but, but you might as well, if you're going to shoot like that, you could forget beating anybody of significance. So, um, 
Very frustrating. To your point, um, this was a problem a year ago. The Pirates ranked 306 nationally in three-point shooting. Um, and so this is something that uh, I was hoping would be addressed, you know, throughout the offseason in recruiting. But, um, you know, Quentin DeBouget, that has certainly not helped matters. Um, however, you know, when Quentin's played, he's not shot at great, um, 13 out of 50, 26%. Last year he made 33 um, three-point field goals. So he's one, if he was playing, he would probably give you a, a third guy that had 30-plus makes from three. You have Brandon Johnson and R.J. Felton leading the way. Um, let's hone in on on Brandon. Brandon had been so consistent yesterday, unfortunately. Um, just played a season low of 23 minutes, just the fourth time this year. He's played less than 30 minutes in all those other games, those other three where he had failed to play 30 minutes, came in the first five or six games of the season. BJ, um, there was a reason for that. He suffered a hip injury. Coach Schwartz could not elaborate on that in the post game. Just said he tried to came tried to come back in. Excuse me. And when um, that happened, he he could simply not go. But uh, BJ over his last three games really struggled. Uh, four out of twenty from the floor. But of those twenty field goal attempts, seventeen have been threes. So he's given you essentially nothing in, inside the arc. Yeah, and I think Brandon's kind of at the point, Bubba, you know, he's really struggled recently. And he's really at the point where he's he needs to figure out some other ways where he can contribute to this team when his three-point shot is not falling or when it's not available. Um, you know, he – I think when you look at his game this year, when he's most successful – He's he's knocking down threes from from behind the arc, and um, but when when he's when he's not able to get those quality shots or when they're not falling, you know he's kind of just disappearing from the game. So he's going to have to find a way to contribute, you know, and, and be a have a positive effect on this team in other ways, whether it's rebounding, blocking shots, moving the ball, playing great defense. Um, and, and right now we're not getting that, and that's and that's frustrating and. Um, but, but, you know, he's your team leader. And uh, listen, I, I'm sure he would say the same thing. Right now he's not playing well, and, and he's got to play better for this team to have a chance. R.J. Felton is the only – or one of only two Pirates to have more than 13 made threes, and he's the only guard to have more than more than uh, 13 threes as the others, as I mentioned, Brandon Johnson – I believe they have something like 38 and 40 makes respectively from beyond the arc uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. Don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, RJ uh, give RJ credit. Uh, he battled yesterday, eight out of 18 from the floor, 20 points, knocked down a couple of big threes when Charlotte was seizing the momentum uh, and he silenced the crowd, did his best to keep the pirates in it. He had 11 of those 20 points in the first half as he had uh, nearly half of the points. Um, that ECU scored in the opening 20 minutes. And then in the, the second half, uh, RJ and Jaden Walker were, were leading the way when the Pirates had just six field goals in the half. And I knew it was bad. And I, I did not realize it was quite that bad until 
until after the game, and I looked at the numbers. Um, on a positive note, after going 0 for 4 in the first half, ECU was 14 out of 14 from the charity stripe in the second. Yeah, and that's that's great to see. I mean, because that's that was an area, a huge area that we needed to improve. So it's so it's so it's great to see that. Unfortunately, the, everything else seemed to fall off. Um, but to your point about you know Felton, I mean, I think he brought it yesterday. He he definitely was. He he was definitely operating at a higher level um, than the rest of the players on this team, and you know he he's really the only guy who can who can create a shot off the dribble. You know, in the mid range, he can get to the hole, and you know when he gets that three point shot falling, he can be you know a very uh, explosive player. Um, so he he's a guy that can do that. He can create a shot, but I think one of the issues and you know, you have right now is you don't have a lot of guys who can create shots when things get tight, when the defense really clamps down, especially in the last five or six minutes of the game, it's almost impossible for this team to get a shot off. And, um, and so again, that kind of comes back to recruiting. You know, I, I kind of, I had high hopes that Cam Hayes would be that type of guy, but listen, I, you know, I don't want to say anything, you know, too negative, but Cam Hayes has, has been a disappointment. He's now been available for, you know, a good portion of the season. Um, there's no reason for him to be playing like this. Um, I certainly expected more. And um, without without people stepping up, this, this is who you are. So these guys really have to look at themselves in the mirror and figure out how can we play better basketball. Elaborating a little bit more on Brandon Johnson, um, we've, Already touched on some of this, um, the first part of this point made by Johnny Robertson regarding the 17 three-point attempts of his 20 field goal attempts over the last three games. But he also notes that Saturday was the first time in Brandon's career as a starter that he didn't attempt a a two-point field goal or a free throw, which which, expands and drives home the point that you were making as far as you know, make, needing to make something happen in, inside the art. Right, yeah. And Johnny Robertson, man, Johnny always brings these these great stats. So thank you, Johnny. We really appreciate your contribution to the show. I mean, that's – Johnny's always bringing it. Um, but, yeah, that, that's exactly right, Bobby. It does sort of highlight that point that, <clears throat> you know, you have to find other ways to contribute to your team. And if your shot's not falling or if you can't get it from behind the perimeter – you need to do other things. And uh, so, but it does make me wonder, you know, that's also falls on the shoulders of the coaching staff. Hey, we need to get this guy involved in the offense. We need to get him shots. Why not post him up a little bit? You know, why not try something different with him to get him into the flow of the game? That does fall on the, on the shoulders of the coaching staff too. Um, so right now, you, you know, Mike Schwartz, has a major challenge on his hands because there's a lot of basketball left. He's got to figure out how can I, how can I get some more points out of this offense? Cause right now it's just abysmal. Yeah. We'll talk in more depth um, later in the show before we wrap things up um, regarding the pirates remaining regular season schedule that has four home games, four away games, um, Next up will be UTSA next Saturday. The Pirates do not play in midweek as this is their open date. I mean, 
stay tuned as we look forward to uh, hopefully having a member of the Pirates coaching staff on the show this week. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, potentially Reggie Williams, you know, the former NBA standout uh, that played alongside Steph Curry and led the NCAA back-to-back seasons during his days at VMI in uh, scoring points per game uh, during those consecutive years. So hopefully that will work out to get Reggie on the show. Um, Taking a look at the team numbers from yesterday's game on the Pirates, as I mentioned, just 17 field goals, 17 out of 52, 32.7%, 4 out of 21, 19% from – Three, uh, ECU, 14 out of 18 from the charity stripes, 77.8. Meanwhile, you had the Charlotte 49ers, 24 out of 53, 45.3. The Pirates, as they've done all year for the most part, defended the three well. Um, ECU, we talk about the struggles in shooting the three. Um, The Pirates ranked 34th nationally in three-point field goal defense, 30.7% is the opposition. And... In AAC play, and the Pirates ranked second of 14, 29.6%. So now here's hoping that continues, and then the Pirates will find a way to get some some points, uh, you know, be it from beyond the arc or elsewhere, because yesterday um, and here of late, that simply has not been happening. Um, the 49ers absolutely you know, destroyed ECU on the glass, 42 to 25. 12 to 7 on the offensive boards. 49ers had 14 assists. ECU had six. And I guess that should not be surprising given the way ECU has been shooting the basketball. But um that has that has really been a trend here lately. And we talked about how well South Florida shared the ball. And it wasn't just them making shots, but uh, you know, even when when shots did not go down and loved the way. Love the way the Bulls passed the basketball. Uh, ECU did take good care of it. Um, so that was a plus and eight turnovers. Uh, however, you, you still had you know a few silly ones, in my opinion, that were unforced. You know, just a, a bad pass or maybe a, a mental lapse. Charlotte, on the other hand, had 11 miscues. Um, the 49ers outscored East Carolina 34 to 22 in the paint. And uh, although this is not on the screen there, I think second chance points was something like 14 to seven, but uh, that is not part of the stat package uh, for ESPN.com. And um, taking a look at the individual numbers, um, you had RJ Felton as a lone pirate in double figures. RJ finished with 20 points and five rebounds, eight, out of 18 from the floor in 38 minutes. Uh, and uh, next best was uh, Jaden Walker. I think all nine of those points, at least seven, but I think maybe all nine came in the second half. And uh, the majority of those were in the first nine to 10 minutes of the second half. Um, I think ECU went on a a little uh, seven to two spurt uh, to start the second 20 minutes. And by doing so, built a, a three-point advantage at 31 and 28. Uh, Jaden in 18 minutes, again, nine points, uh, a rebound, a block shot uh, for the Iowa State transfer this in his second year with ECU. Um, Sierra Malonga, 
How about Sear? Sear, Sear had six points in eight minutes. Uh, also pulled down a couple rebounds. He scored the game's first points on a dunk on ECU's initial possession. Um, Brandon Johnson, three points. Uh, let's see, Brandon finished with five rebounds. And then you had Cam Hayes had two points. Ezra Saar came off the bench. Ezra got into foul trouble, which really hurt ECU in the second half where we had to utilize a very small lineup. Uh, you had Brandon that was injured, Ezra in foul trouble. The, the tallest guy on the court, I believe, was Quentin DeBunge. And so e ECU had no one taller than about 6'5 or 6'6 six, six in the game. And uh, as Coach Schwartz noted in the postgame, you know, it was effective for a minute or two. But um, but Charlotte was really able to exploit that. And ECU did not score for about five or six minutes, which has been a all too common theme. And as a result, uh, Charlotte was able to to take what was a one or two point lead and advance it to you know push it out to 14, 15 points and really um, put a fork in the Pirates. I think it was a four-point game at somewhere during that juncture, about midway through the second half. Uh, you'll probably recall this, Matt. You know, we took a very ill-advised shot um, by Caleb LeCount, and 49ers come down, drain a three, and then, you know, in about a two- or three-minute stretch, it went from a four-point game to a double-digit deficit. Yeah, and, and that was the death punch right there when that happened. Um, and, and, you know, just to kind of go back for a second to one of your points, Bubba, it's these stretches you're seeing for, you know, five or six minutes at a time where you don't have a field goal. I think it was the other night against South Florida, if I'm not mistaken, where we actually op – I don't know if I've ever seen this before, and I watch a ton of basketball. Um, it took six minutes – from the start of the game to actually have our first field goal. Um, am I right about that, Bubba? It took six minutes, correct? If I'm not mistaken. So we scored. Sear Malonga had a dunk on our opening possession uh, against South Florida. I'm referring to. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I was looking. I was looking at something, but but yes, um, we we um, did not have a field goal in the first five plus minutes, maybe six minutes against USF. Yeah, so it's so it's those stretches um, that kill you. And, and let's just look back at that game for a minute, just just to kind of get off Charlotte for a second and look back at the South Florida game. So you start off the game with that virtually a six minute stretch with no bas uh, no field goals. You then get it to ten to ten, or roughly maybe twelve to ten. You then have another bad stretch stretch where they go to like twenty to ten, right? Then you tie it back up. And you have another stretch where it goes to 30 to 20. So you kept seeing these outrageous uh, stretches without a field goal. And, 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 you know, that is where, as a coach, you have to draw something up. You have to have something in your arsenal to get, to get out of that kind of uh, stretch. So, so, listen, we're seeing really poor shooting from the players right now. And I, I don't want to continue to harp on that. I've, I think I've said it enough. But as a coach, when your team gets into a five-minute stretch without a field goal, that comes back to you. You need to be able to draw something up to get a quality shot or at least get to the free throw line. And we're just seeing it way too often. 
no doubt. Um, and another an alarming statistic that jumps off the page about yesterday's game in 25 minutes, and uh, that was, you know, pretty probably ranking pretty low as far as the minutes played in a game by Ezra this year because of that foul trouble. But still, uh, just two field goal attempts, and he did get to the line three times, knocked down four out of six. But uh, just six points and two field goal attempts for Ezra Sar. So between he and Brandon Johnson, you had nine points and uh, a combined six rebounds. Just one rebound, however, for Ezra, and that that can't happen. Definitely can't happen. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, what what more can you even say about that? I mean, you know, one rebound from your from your power forward. That's that's again it's just not a winning formula. So, um, you know, big, big decisions ahead for Mike Schwartz. And, and, and I do think it's, it's a, it's really good timing, uh, to have, to have a few days off this week where you can kind of, you know, just get back to having quality practices and try to get some of these problems remedied because, um, right now it's kind of like you plug one hole in the dam and two other three holes open. So, Good week for some time off. Undoubtedly. And uh, taking a look at the 49ers, you know, really like the Virginia transfer, Milicic, uh, in 31 minutes. He had 12 points, 10 rebounds, so a double-double for the Croatian. And in um, Milicic, I think, coming in, he was averaging 13 points and eight rebounds. Also had five block shots. Uh I mean, there, there at times you had Pirates who were 6'3 or 6'4 challenging the, the 6'10 Milicic and uh, it did not end well. He was three for six from the floor, five out of six from the line. So not a, not a huge night, but uh, very uh, very productive with that double-double with 12 and 10. And I know a couple times you know, he, he had knocked down a key three, you know, or – Another one of those three buckets was a probably about a 15-foot fadeaway on the baseline that we defended pretty well, just a heck of a shot. So at 6'10", he's very versatile. He came into the game shooting – or after this game, rather, he, he's shooting about 38% from three, which is uh, tremendous for someone of his size and, and a, a guy that um, has made – somewhere between 35 and 43s on the season. Uh, also for Charlotte, you had Patterson. Um, Patterson had 16. And uh, Deshaun Jackson in 29 minutes, eight points and seven rebounds. So I uh, talked about how the Pirates in the front court um, with the guys that lead the way. And you did have six uh, from Sir Malanga that uh, you can throw in there. But um, – the Pirates' top two front court players in Brandon Johnson and Ezra Saar combined for nine points and six rebounds. Meanwhile, Milicic and Jackson for the 49ers combined for 20 points and 17 rebounds. And coming into this game, especially with the way Brandon has been so perimeter-oriented and uh, the way Ezra doesn't necessarily pull down as many rebounds as you would hope at times or, or think he would. I I was afraid that that discrepancy, which 
really for the most part this year, we that's probably the the largest deficit we've seen on the glass. Uh, seems like I don't know if it's Florida or someone else. And there may have been one other game, but I'll go back and and confirm those numbers. But uh, very very odd day from the from um, before the Pirates from that standpoint, getting out rebounded. I think what did I say, forty two to uh, twenty five. Yeah, and the thing about rebounding, Bubba, is a lot of times it comes down to effort and just being in the right position. And when you get out-rebounded that badly, um, you know, that that's that's never a good sign. And, you know, I, I it did look to me like Charlotte was just hungrier on the glass. Um, they seemed more aggressive. They seemed to be in better position. And um, so, yeah, uh, again, the stats don't lie. You know, I mean <laughs> – the stats, the stats show you exactly where you are. So, um, got to find a way to fix it. And um, taking a look, we'll go ahead and see some of the results from around the American. I'm taking a look at these stats, um, Charlotte, and with that victory, moves to eight and one, and they're in a three-way tie for first with number twenty, Florida Atlantic, and also South Florida. So what stories there? Florida Atlantic was certainly expected to be right there at the top of the league, but uh, Charlotte and South Florida just remarkable turnarounds. Uh, and I say turnarounds. Charlotte, they obviously had a good season a year ago in Conference USA, but them exploding onto the scene like this with an interim head coach and Aaron Fern, who's obviously done a tremendous job uh, after being on Coach Sanchez's staff over the last several years there. In the Queen City, um, this was not expected, at least by outsiders. And uh, South Florida, and with the way that staff has arrived on the scene from Kennesaw State and hit the ground running, has been tremendous as well. South Florida is a team that really impressed me, Bubba. I mean, they were th – that is a very athletic um, and well-coached team, a really well-coached team. Their ball you, – you mentioned it earlier, and you nailed it. Their ball movement is fantastic. And, and, I mean, what they do is they do such a great job with their point guard getting into the lane for penetrating kick. And then they kind of get you on, on your heels defensively. And they're, they're great at making at the extra pass. You know, you can when you make that extra pass, you get wide open looks. And really, I, I was very impressed with them. Um, ju just a good team. I mean, for me, when I looking at those top – you know, having seen all those teams, ju just you know, watching them play against East Carolina this year and 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 otherwise, South Florida to me was the most impressive team. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win this conference, but that they they are a surprise to me. And then, you know, I think I think the biggest surprise in the other direction is Tulane at three and six. Um, that was a team I I was I was expecting to compete you know, in the top one third of the conference and a little disappointing season so far for them. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a pretty stacked conference from top to bottom. And with South Florida, that shows if you make the right hire, especially someone that you can bring at least a couple, if not a few quality pieces from his previous, previous stop with him um, as Abdur Rahim has, uh, with USF, um, that shows you in this in this climate how how quickly you can flip things. 
it's easier than it's ever been to flip a team in both college football and college basketball. And, you know, you know, I think I really hope right now Mike Schwartz is having that aha moment, kind of like Mike Houston did this year, where he realizes that we're in a completely different era of college basketball, you know, recruiting from high school, you know, I get it. Maybe you take one, maybe you take two, but the portal is where we're going to make our biggest improvement right now. Um, and and we, we've got to find a way to get into the portal and get some quality shooters. And they're out there. They're definitely out there. You know, I hear a lot of people in our fan base saying, we don't have the resources. We don't have the financial resources. We can't pay for these guys. Look around college basketball. Look around to the so-called smaller conferences that have outstanding players, outstanding shooters. You think they're paying them? Do you think they have better resources than East Carolina? The answer is no. That's just a fact. So let's find a way to get it done. And, you know, there's there's just no – to me, I just don't see any excuse um, to not be more competitive in this conference. And this is certainly not an apples to apples comparison, but and just kind of throwing some fuel on onto that fire and the frustration of Pirate Nation is when you look around the state of North Carolina, you have App State nineteen and four, Western Carolina sixteen and six, High Point twenty and four, uh, I believe twenty and four, twenty and four, twenty five, something like that. Very very good team are the Panthers. I think all of those losses um, are by single digits in, in three of the four or by one possession. And um, UNC Wilmington having a nice season, as they so often do. But uh, that just you know makes Pirate fans just say, and when's it going to be our turn? When are we going to flip this thing? And so we still have eight eight games left to play in the regular season, and then obviously the tournament. Hopefully, we can find a way to uh, have a winning season. But it's at this point with the way things are going offensively, it's looking pretty bleak. Um, just to be honest, but uh, hope hopefully Pirate fans will stay behind the team and continue to support and create a a good environment at these last four home games, um, because. As we were discussing earlier, I mean, any of these games are winnable. I mean, Memphis included, especially with it being at home. But with the way we're not scoring, I mean, you could lose all of them as well. Absolutely, Bubba. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you make a a really great point. I mean, regardless of how we're playing right now, I mean, just personally, I'm going to continue to support this team. And obviously – it's been kind of a negative uh, tone today, a negative conversation based on our recent recent play. But you really do, you know, hope that they can turn it around. Um, you know, at least that's my hope. And um, but listen, when you're struggling to get to 50 points in college basketball, <laughs> it's not. It's just not going to be easy. Um, so ho- hopefully, we can find a way to uh, shoot the ball a little better in the upcoming weeks here. Very quickly, as we start to wrap this edition of the program up, um, looking at the scores uh, from Saturday, in addition to the the game between the Pirates and 49ers, and you had 20th ranked Florida Atlantic 
102, Tulsa 70. Uh, it was Memphis snapping a four-game skid. That's hard to believe. Um, and the Tigers um, were staring a fifth straight defeat in the face, but they, after trailing the Wichita State Shockers 30-24 to at the break, knocked down a, a buzzer beater or, or a game winner with three seconds to go to top Wichita State at the FedEx Forum 65-63. Uh, after having put 112 on the Shockers in Wichita. So quite the a different game there. Uh, you had Rice, uh, which recently beat Memphis. Uh, they took down the UTSA Roadrunners in San Antonio, 80-76, to and South Florida won in Denton, Texas, 60-55 to over the Mean Green. Uh, you have one game taking place right now, um, and that is – Tulane and Temple in the Big Easy. The Green Wave, 26. The Owls, 23, with just under four minutes to play in the first half. And tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPN2, you have SMU taking on UAB. Both of those clubs are 14-7 and seven overall. The Blazers are 6-2 and two in the American, while the Mustangs are 5-3. and three. But um, taking a look at what lies ahead, for East Carolina, uh, we mentioned um, UTSA falling yesterday to Rice. Um, UTSA you know, took Memphis to the wire at the FedEx Forum, lost that one in overtime after having, I think, a 10-plus point lead against the Tigers. Um, so lying ahead for ECU, uh, you have on February the 10th, Saturday afternoon, 4 o'clock tip-off down in San Antonio or 4 o'clock Eastern, I should say, 3, three o'clock Central. And then um, next Thursday is Military Appreciation Night at Minji's Coliseum, 7 o'clock tip-off as the Pirates will look to sweep the season series with the Wichita State Shockers. Um, and then I'll go ahead and run through the remaining schedule. Uh, the Pirates on February 18th have their alumni day, so – Hopefully, we'll see a lot of Pirate Basketball letter winners out at Minji's. Uh, that is 2 o'clock, um, and it'll be an ESPN Plus broadcast at Rice on February 24th on ESPNU. And then uh, the, the 29th, and we have a, a painted white game against the Memphis Tigers. Uh, that will be an ESPN2 telecast. Um, following that game against Memphis, you, you go to North Texas and to SMU before wrapping things up with the regular season finale and senior day against the Charlotte 49ers, 4 o'clock tip-off on Saturday, March the 9th. So um, there you have a, a quick look at what lies ahead for East Carolina in the final eight games of the regular season. And um, you know, really appreciate the support of Big Ed Watkins, Ed Watkins Marine um, edwalkinsmarine.com uh, is where you can go to find everything they have to offer. They have two locations in the greater Charlotte area, excuse me, to serve you, Denver and Cornelius. In Denver, they can be found on North Carolina Highway 16 Business in Cornelius on West Catawba Avenue. And they offer fishing boats, center consoles, family-friendly bow riders, trailers, pontoon boats, engines, UTVs, whether you're looking to purchase a boat or upgrade your and you know uh, overhaul your existing boat, they can meet all of your boating needs. Appreciate 
Big Ed and his support of the show. Absolutely. Thank you for your support, Big Ed. We definitely appreciate having Ed Watkins Marine as a new sponsor. And and then lastly, you know, a new branch, if you will, of Team Boneyard is the, the 23 Club, which is the NIL source um, supporting ECU baseball. So um, de definitely consider giving to the 23 Club and help this baseball program stay, you know, among the elite programs in the country and, um, and a threat to go to Omaha you know, at any time, and you know, Pirates have consistently been in the top 15 or 20 programs over the last several years, and it, you know, it's just a matter of time before they knock down that door. Man, this is a cause I can definitely get behind right here, uh, given to this baseball team. Just just a, such a track record of playing great baseball, great program that Cliff Godwin runs. Um, NCAA, we need more scholarships in college baseball. You know, a lot of these guys, I mean, you have great players in college baseball that, you know, maybe they're getting a partial scholarship, right? And and so more than other sports, baseball players, you know, they, they need the, the NIL support. Um, and certainly this is a program that, you know, um, uh, I, I'd be willing to help out with. So um, glad you mentioned that, Bubba. And uh, it's a great cause. Last note uh, here, uh, East Carolina women were victorious on Sunday afternoon going out to Wichita State, defeating the Shockers 72-51 to uh, with that win. The Pirates improved to 13-8 and overall and 6-4 and in the American. Um, there, there's a log jam at 6-4, and and uh, North Texas came into the day leading um, AAC play on the women's side. Uh, with their seven and two mark, you also have UAB seven and three. So, despite some key injuries for Kim McNeil's team, uh, they're very much in the regular season hunt uh, for a conference title. They've done a good job of, you know, weathering that storm uh, on the injury front and um, sitting a, a decent spot, all things considered, here as we come down the home stretch of league play. You know, but uh, for Matt Semenza. I'm Bubba Rosenbaum. You've been watching and listening to Pirate Basketball Overtime here on the Sports Objective. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Simply search the Sports Objective, click subscribe. And uh, when you click subscribe, if you would, ring that notification bell and click all. That way, anytime we go live or upload new content, you're alerted on your device. And then on X, you can follow us at the Sports OBJ on TikTok and Instagram at the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook as well. But uh, again, that will do it for this edition of Pirate Basketball Overtime here on the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates and your home for the best ECU hoops coverage. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Pirates.